Let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And just a minute here. And this is a somewhat familiar passage, should be to most of us, but uh, we were talking about the heart uh, of the servant this morning, the heart of the hero there out of Philippians chapter 3, how that we ought to live. And, and uh, tonight I thought maybe just we would go over the battle here and really just spend a little time in a very familiar passage touching on a a few things tonight. Let's just start reading in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all Saints. So as Paul's ending his treatise here, the letter to the Ephesian church, he, as he often does, just packs so much into that last chapter. And here he is telling them that they are to be strong in the Lord. Now, the idea of being strong in the Lord is simply doing what the Lord tells us to do in spite of everything goes on in the world. If there's ever a time that we need to be strong in the Lord, it is the day in which we live where our society is just, I mean, whole hog gone after uh, things that are totally against the Word of God. I think someone said 34% of the population of the United States now favors socialism. Now, that, that is a terrifying thought because it was only 33% of this nation's population that made it the United States of America. Uh, you, you don't have to have everybody supporting the idea for it to take over an entire society. And... Uh, Uh, if we're going to understand what the Lord wants us to do, first of all, we got to look at the words here. It says, be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of His might. If we're going to do the things that Jesus tells us to do out of the Bible, and I am so glad, even the holiday weekend, everybody's taking off, everybody's doing things, but we still have a group of people here tonight, and we are together. But if that power is going to be available in our life, it's got to be His, not ours. In the power of His might. Revelation 3.8, if I can remind you. It says, For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. This, this is a, a parallel passage to this verse here. Being strong in the Lord is simply not denying His word, keeping the name of Jesus special. And then we're told to put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, there are so many things going on in our society today that are just simply tricks of the devil. I mean, that's what this whole purpose-driven Christianity is all about. And it's amazing how the Bible and our theology parallels society and politics at times. Uh, some of you may remember just uh, all, it was about, uh, it was the last year or next to last year of Obama's presidency, we had a big push in the United States to uh, form a constitutional convention because the Constitution is a living document. Now, can I ask you, have any one of you ever seen a living document? Uh, how do you get blood vessels and sensibilities and a mind and a, a system in a sheet of paper? Uh, there's no such thing as a living document. What, what they simply meant by that is, we get to do whatever we want with the words in the Constitution because words only mean what we want them to mean. Does that sound familiar to you? See, since 1881, in the English language, there has been a battle going on saying the exact same things and the exact same arguments against this book called the Bible. And... Uh, We need to understand that these thoughts, evolution, do you realize that they put a teacher, his name was Scopes, on trial because he taught evolution instead of creation in his classroom? And of course, they lost the trial. The great orator, William Jennings Bryant, uh, appeared for the prosecution and they thought it was all going to be a slam dunk and they lost. And evolution began to be taught. And today, if you were to teach creation in a public school as part of the science department, what would happen to you? you get fired, put on administrative leave. I mean, they do everything... The, the rack would not be too good for you. I mean, they would do everything in their, in their power to destroy you because you cannot teach 
anything but evolution. Now, we've taken time to show, I, I believe that uh, I, I've done that in our teaching time here on Thursday night several years ago, that there is not one historical fact for evolution, not one. Uh, there is not one scientific fact that proves evolution could have happened. In fact, there are many, many scientific facts. And, and even if you want to get into the realm of probability, uh, evolution is mathematically impossible. It, it just cannot happen. Uh, all of the great experiments that prove evolution were rigged. They're false. How many of you remember the, uh, the horses? You had the little horse that was a little bigger than a dog, and then the one that was halfway between, and then at the end, the modern horse. Do you remember that from grade school, if you went to public school? Do you know that those fossils came from all different time periods, all different strata, and that there is not one bit of truth in that whatsoever. But it's the best that they can do, so they lie to you. And it is totally acceptable and allowed. But should you try? You see, the wiles of the devil are out there. They're everywhere. And the only way you're going to protect yourself Because there's a lot of, quote-unquote, Christians who have been taken captive, who have said, we're just going to get along, we're going to to stop disagreeing on on these things, and we're only going to deal with the important things. Uh, I remember when I was in Bible college, the same professors that took that college and turned it completely inside out. We're saying, we're going to make the most important things the most important things. We're going to forget about the least important things. Well, I want to challenge you that their list of most important things is very short indeed. Uh, The only thing they haven't changed is the fact that God reveals himself in the form of a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Everything else is up for sale. Uh, Could I challenge you that you wouldn't find an argument with that from any Catholic or uh, Protestant or any of those things, every other doctrine, oh, but they still teach salvation by grace through faith. Don't let me misline them too far. But I'll tell you what, how in the world are you going to hear the message of the difference that Jesus makes when you're so worldly that you're competing with the world to get people's attention? Using heavy metal music in the chapel services now. It's just simply unbelievable. But that's what happens when you don't put on the whole armor of God. You are going to be tricked. You are going to be taken by the wiles of the devil. Look look in verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now, I don't know how many stories I've heard over the, I mean, sermons I've heard over the years, and challenges to uh, beat back the world and get up and defeat the world. And, but that's not what Paul says here. He says, stand. 
and withstanding. The idea here is to be in the same place after the battle that you started in before the battle. Uh, To be facing the same direction when the battle is, the skirmish is done, the actual fighting time has finished, as you were when you started. They tell the story, some of the bitter fighting in in, uh, the Civil War that actually uh, the... um, The soldiers were dug in and they were attacked. They were driven out of their trenches. And at the end of the day, after they pushed the enemy back, they were in those same trenches facing the other direction. You talk about confusion. And uh, that's one of the reasons that civil war drug on so, so long. But the Bible tells us we're not here to... uh, change the world, we're here to make sure that the world doesn't change us. That's the battle. Now, who's the foe? Who are we actually fighting? I've often, in discussing people, they say, ah, it's time for another revolution here. Every once in a while, I'll meet somebody like that. Uh, And I say, okay, who are you going to shoot? I mean, during the Revolutionary War here in the United States, uh, there were some times where it was very confusing about who you're going to shoot, but most of the time, they had big bright red coats and lots of brass buckles. I mean, there was a defined enemy. I'm I'm asking you today, can you find a defined enemy in, in our society? And some will say, yeah! And we've had these people who tried to shoot abortion doctors and, and other people who've tried to rebel against the government. That's what that whole Oklahoma City bombing was about, was they were trying to overthrow the government. Now, why would you start in Oklahoma? Because they thought they could get away with it there, but they didn't. You see, look with me at verse... 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, I don't know how many times I have asked you to pray for the lunacy, the absolute godless senselessness of our elected leaders. I mean, I don't know how you say the things that our governor has said and have any, any sense of reality going on inside uh, your brain. I mean, he talks about the freedoms that are guaranteed, but he doesn't want anyone that believes like we do existent in New York State. Uh, and uh, after he made that statement, he said, I was speaking politically. Yeah. Now, no, we get that. Did you hear what... Um, Donald Trump Jr. said about Nancy Pelosi's statement that she was praying for Donald Trump. He said, we don't think, he says, we know that you people who believe in infanticide don't pray. We get that. I'm sitting there going, wow, I like that quote. Uh, Because it's so true. 
But you have to understand something. Nancy Pelosi's not the enemy. Chuck Schumer is not the enemy. AOC, though she's trying awful hard, uh, she is not the enemy. You know why? Because the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not people we are fighting. Here's what we're fighting. Let's go through the list. Principalities against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, you can look up the definitions of this, but I I want you to put it in Bible context. Not against flesh and blood. So, we're not fighting against people. I've often told the joke, a little tongue-in-cheek, but with with a true application, you heard the... um, Doctor and the plumber, uh, uh, or the doctor and the auto mechanic, whatever you want to put in there, and he, they start arguing back and forth about why doctors should get paid so much when cars are just as complicated as people are. And the doctor looks at him and says, well, you don't have to work on it while it's running. And uh, I would answer to the doctor that you can at least work on something that you see. We're wrestling with things that we cannot see. I challenge you. No, I don't challenge you. In fact, I challenge you not to go find a principality or a a power. Uh, If you want to destroy yourself, go looking for the devil. I promise you, you'll find him, but it won't be a pleasant exchange. The devil always wins when we fight him on his turf or his terms. And that's the devil's great um, tool that he uses in this same time. In fact, while I was at Heartland, I was talking with one of the, my fellow board members there at the school, at the college. And he's saying, oh, do you remember such and such a professor? And I go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Do you remember her husband? Oh, yeah, he was a great guy. I said, do you know why he got fired? He said, no. I said, he was chasing demons around his living room with a shotgun. And he came in and told us students about it. And I'm glad enough. I'm glad that the administration had enough sense to say we don't want that kind of professor teaching our students at Bible college. Nuts. Just slightly. I mean, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you're not going to wrestle something you cannot see and something you cannot find. How many of you have ever been scared of the wrong thing that you shouldn't have been scared of? How many of you have not been afraid of something you should have been afraid of? You know, that's the way we are all the time. the, The wiles of the devil are there to take our attention off of the real battle 
and put it on something that isn't real. Are, are we all together? You see, the Bible tells us that God wants us to stand. If you want to know why almost every sermon I uh, 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 allude to this old King James Bible, I, I hope you never get tired of me talking about it. Because I will tell you something, if we move, God will be done with Open Door Bible Baptist Church. The Bible college I attended... My freshman class was 600 students, and it was small. They don't have 200 students on campus today. The buildings, they're tearing down the dorms because they don't have students. We need to build new dorms at Heartland. Uh, And yet, Heartland does not have as many students in the entire school on campus as I did in my freshman class in 1982 in Springfield, Missouri. It's scary stuff, my friends. We are finding ourselves, people who believe this Bible the way that they did a hundred years ago, the way they did 500 years ago, the way they did when it was written, you will find that we are becoming a smaller and smaller and smaller percentage of society as a whole. I sometimes wonder if when Jesus actually comes for the rapture, is the world even going to notice? That's what Jesus said. When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, we know that he gave a promise that his church would not be prevailed against. And so as long as Jesus is here, he will have a church that has not given in to the world, not been tricked by the wiles of the devil. But I I want to challenge you, that's where the battle is. You see, you can look here all through your Bible, and you're never going to find a verse that says, March on City Hall. Help me, students. Can you find that verse? You've been to Bible college. You ought to know these things, right? Uh, That's not in your Bible. But what is? Stand. Withstand. Be in the same place. And, And we live in a world that is more and more wicked and growing in its wickedness. And the Bible says... Men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It says that we must take the whole armor of God. Now, not just parts or pieces, not just the part that you like. And we're not going to take time to go through the entire armor of God, each piece, but... Let's just look at them here and name them. First, truth. Second, righteousness. The preparation of the gospel of peace. If you want to know what that means is, you've got to be prepared to tell somebody about Jesus. That's simply what that is. 
Blessed are the peacemakers. I believe that simply is talking about people who lead other people to Jesus. Those are the only true peacemakers in this world. And so, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the Bible says it is the shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts of the wicked. And by the way, it says all the fiery darts of the wicked. Faith is the answer. Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Does anybody remember? Sin. If you can't do something by faith, it is sin. Oftentimes people ask the question, Pastor, is it okay to drink beer? I actually had a guy, and and this is what I told him. I said, you go get a six-pack and come back. I'll wait here in your living room. And he said, oh, you're going to have beer with me? I said, no. I said, I'm going to watch you pray and thank God and praise God for the beer. I said, if you can do that, I said, go ahead and drink it. He never left the living room. Because you can't thank God for beer. And if he had started, I would have, been, I would have started in on him. I said, how about every little child that's gone hungry because the people who were supposed to be taking care of that child spent the food money to buy another beer. How about the grave of every young, innocent person who thought they could handle a beer or two and wrap their car around a tree late some night and died in horrible throes because of beer? I can tell you stuff about beer. None of it's good. You see, you can't drink beer by faith. But I'll tell you what you can do. How many of you came to church by faith tonight? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, here's faith. Believing God's word to the point of obedience. Are are you here because you want to obey God? Well, that's faith. Guess what? The shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked. Apply the rule of faith and you will never ever be deceived by the tricks of the devil. And you will be able to stand. You will have done all to stand. But if you're just holding the shield of faith without the helmet of salvation, without the sword of the spirit, without all the other parts of the armor, it's not going to work. It says, wherefore, take unto you the whole Armor of God. Now, something we've been over a lot is other than the sword of the Spirit, every part of the armor of God is protective. But let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been to a military base or visited the ships during fleet week first thing my kids noticed we went to the USS New York uh, Friday afternoon 
and uh, toward the ship. And he said, Dad, what's those two little things on the end? I said, those are machine guns. Well, why are they so little? I said, well, do you remember what happened in Yemen several years ago when a little boat rode up beside one of our destroyers and blew a hole in the side of it, the USS Cole? I said, that's what those little guns are for. That will stop things like that from happening. And everywhere there, everywhere we went, there were sailors and marines and all kinds of dress uniforms, but right behind them, there were guards all the way with guns. And they were loaded. And they were going to take care of any problem before it got started. I mean, you might get something started, but you you weren't going to be the one that finished it. Have you ever thought about the sword of the Spirit being used like that? There's no verse in the Bible that tells us to go out and find the devil, these powers, principalities, and slash them with the sword of the Spirit. Who is the only person in the universe ready and capable to deal with the powers of the enemy. Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? So, we need to understand that that sword of the Spirit is not there as an offensive weapon to slash at the enemy but is there as a deterrent. When the wiles of the devil come in, what is my defense? What did Jesus do when the devil tempted him? He quoted Scripture. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Solomon said that. Listen. All of these things Items of this armor are to help me carry out the duty of the soldier. If you want to stand, if you want to have done all to stand, what's it say in verse 18? Let's read it out loud together. Are we ready here? Grab your Bibles. Here we go. Read it out loud with me together. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, capital S, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This is our prayer meeting. How long have we been praying for a pastor for Community Baptist Church? As a church, since last October, when I made first contact and went out there. God looks like God's answered that prayer. And and some of you might remember when I told you, I think God's answering that prayer, but I'm not sure I'm going to like it. And someone said, are you sending Leland? No, Leland and Rachel have plans, but looks like the Lord's answering that prayer. Is that going to make it a little tougher on us? Oh, yeah. You won't find out all the things that Andrew did until he leaves. But guess what? We've been praying. 
and God answered that prayer. Hey, if we're going to pray for things, we better expect the Lord to answer those prayers. Whether we like the answer or not, we have to trust the Lord. Because that's the only way we can deal with these principalities and these powers. And guess what? There is going to be an opportunity, because I have no intention of hiring anybody to fill Andrew's spot. So there's going to be some opportunities for people in the church to step up into places of service. Would that be a bad thing or a good thing? Uh, I think that would be a good thing. You see, when God answers prayer, he answers it all the way around. We've been praying that Kyle get a job for the last couple weeks. He starts work next Monday, right? Something like that. And uh, it's actually a pretty good job with an opportunity for promotion and all those things. The Lord's provided him a place to live. Kind of have to be careful here. You know, it's just like, wow. What makes him so special, the Lord, to do all this? No, no, that's not the way it works. We, God answers prayer in miraculous and wonderful ways. He's got a one-bedroom apartment for a thousand bucks a month in a good neighborhood. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you do that? Uh, you don't, I don't, Kyle didn't, but God did. Amen? You see, we, we need some answers to prayer yet. Amen? Praying always with all prayer and supplication. It says, watching thereunto. I want to ask you a question. Have you looked for opportunities to pray? This is, this is what we're supposed to do. And, and we're supposed to keep praying. Sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and God just seemingly doesn't answer that prayer. What are we supposed to do? Read Luke chapter 17. The unjust judge, we keep praying. Because prayer does not change God. But it sure helps us. And if you want to know what the answer to worry is, it's prayer. It is using the Word of God not to try to attack the devil but to stop the attacks that are coming our way. Are we all together on this? You see, this is our prayer meeting. And we're supposed to watch thereunto with all perseverance 
and supplication for all saints. And Paul says, I want you to pray for me because I've got a job to do. And ladies, that's why we have the White Under Harvest prayer meeting. Pray for our missionaries that are out there serving the Lord all over the world. And I'll tell you, in many parts of the world, it is a dangerous thing to be an American. Uh, I read a little statistic. Our United States military presently is engaged in over 40% of the world's surface today. We have soldiers all over this world that are doing things on a regular basis. We have soldiers in the Philippines. Most of them are in a a consulting thing, trying to help deal with the uh, Islamic problem in Mindanao and and other places. By the way, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's where Rowena lives, isn't it? Uh, She doesn't, fortunately, doesn't live in the really bad area, but... Let me tell you, the really bad people from the really bad areas don't do their bad stuff in the bad areas. They go to the good place to do it. Years ago, we had some uh, um, national pastor from the Philippines, and he said, I want you to come and preach my missions conference. And old George got me aside and says, Pastor, don't go there. I said, what's that? He said, that's where they kidnap Americans. He says, you can't hide. I said, George, I'm listening to you. But I can still pray. Amen? And we need to pray for our service people. I don't know how many. I wish we could get the message of God's forgiveness to these guilt-ridden veterans who believe that they are beyond God's hand because of things they've done in the service of this country. And don't think, I remember talking with one of them. He said, but I killed people. Thou shalt not kill. He said, you you don't understand your Bible at all. But he had been so conditioned by his own guilt complex, the wiles of the devil. I remember telling him, I said, I wish you and I could just sit down for a while. I preach or I'm busy. I got a lot. Hey, if we could only make them understand. That God does forgive. And that God does not hold them accountable for the things that they hold themselves accountable for. And even if they have done really terrible and sinful things, God is still in the sin-forgiving business. Amen? But the greatest thing we can do at this point is pray. You see... We wrestle not against flesh and blood. If you you got rid of, somehow removed Nancy Pelosi from the uh, political scene without committing any sin in the Bible, we're not talking about any physical harm, anything at all. If you were somehow able to sideline her completely from the political campaign, AOC would take her place and would be ten times worse than it is now. Listen, those individuals are not the enemies. It's the demons they're listening to. And let me tell you, they're there. The bigger the office, the greater the influence, the bigger the demon. 
And if you want to go chasing demons, be my guest. But the only one that's going to be destroyed is you. But if you'll put on the whole armor of God, you're not going to believe the lies that keep coming to us from Washington, D.C. Amen? I just love it every once in a while meet someone who attended church here a long time ago. You're still there? Oh, yeah. I'll bet you're still teaching the same thing you taught when I was there. Oh, yeah. How do you do that? The Bible says to stand. Having stood in, withstood in the evil day. Having done all to stand. You know what? We can do that. Because we got a Bible that tells us where to stand. Amen? And you see, we, we need to pray. Not just church, but, and we need to be very careful. I've met a lot of people that get really proud about their prayers. You've just been took by the greatest why all the devil there is. Pride is the greatest sin that there is. I rejoice in the fact that Jesus answers prayer. It's not because I'm some special person or you're some special person. It's not about the prayer. It's about God. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before...